2: Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning, good evening, no matter what the time is, where you are currently situated. Steve Welling's here for a post-fight pod. It's a bit odd doing it at 12 o'clock in the morning, but here we are. Nonetheless, Ryan Deal's on the call, so is Danny Young as well. I'll put the link in the chat shortly if you want to talk about the destruction that we have just watched. Nayua Inoue with a 10th round stoppage win over a very brave challenger. I say challenger, he was a a unified champion himself, wasn't he, Marlon Tapales? Not that you would have known it by the end of the fight. Inouye getting the job done. Ryan Deals there over in New Zealand. Who knows what time it is there. Ryan, what did you make of Inouye's performance? Were you suitably impressed by what you've just witnessed?
3: I think Inouye was okay. That's not the best we've seen of Inouye, but he did what he needed to do to get the win. and yeah I mean he we've seen better from a new way, haven't we really like Topales didn't offer too much, but anyways, yeah anyway got the job done. I feel like he could have worked the left hand a bit better and like dug dug that again left hook into the body a bit more, and I think he would have got the job done five or six rounds as opposed to ten, but you can't really argue with uh an uh, it's a unification win inside the round, so you can't really argue with that, I don't
2: think. What about Topal his performance? Uh, I thought beforehand that he would open up a little bit more than he did early on and get himself knocked out. I don't think he was negative by any stretch of the imagination. He stood in range a little bit too long at times. I think the right hand was working, especially the right hook jab as well. They were imploring him in his corner. Sean Gibbons was screaming out, hit him to the body. He doesn't like it to the body. He did his best, I think, within his technical limitations. We know what he is. He stood forward and he did a pretty decent job. Tapales, Inouye, took his foot off the gas at times, as naturally is going to happen, and then in the end, uh, landed the right hand. But what about Tapales' performance, Ryan? Did he surprise you? Did he uh, overperform? Did he underperform? Where, where does the Filipino sit for you?
3: I think has surprised me in the fact that if you look at him in the Akhmedaliev fight, he he sat on the back foot and he, he put the shoulder up as if to invite Akhmedaliev in and then throw. And that's never going to work against Inoue because Inoue is so quick and so explosive that that's not going to work. So immediately he came out and he, he put the shoulder above that front knee and he, he initiated... Inoue's movement and he made Inoue move and throw which is is what he wanted what he needed to do really to offset Inoue but he couldn't he couldn't put the shots behind that if that makes sense he couldn't time the left hand and he couldn't time the right hook and that's ultimately what put him in range and just let Inoue gradually get that range and just unload onto the body and the head and put those right hooks and yeah, Topalis did okay, but at the start of the fight I didn't really see what he could do to to win and that just became obvious as the rounds went on and that's just the way the fight went, I mean I would like to have seen Agnardelli get the win and and fight him because I think Akhmad offers a little bit more in terms of technical ability, but Tupalos did what he could, and it's in a way, at the end of the day, this is a pound-for-pound pound great that we're watching, well, for me in the in the evening, for you guys in the afternoon, and we just got to enjoy it, really, because it's, it's spectacular to watch.
2: Mm-hmm. Spectacular to watch. Just enjoy it. It's a pound for pound star, as Ryan says there. The, st- the link is in the stream. Uh, the stream is in the link, something like that. The link is in the chat, rather, I should say. If you want to jump on, you can. Des has jumped on. We'll go to him very shortly. Danny Young is here as well. MB has slid in. The sad bastards are in the chat on Boxing Day. You've got to feel sorry for them, haven't you? He's just unified two divisions as MB. And look easy. Look how easy it looked for him. The only challenges I see uh, for him are two weights above. He did mention in the post-fight uh, interview that uh, Super Bantamweight is his division for now. He's going to become a force at that weight. Whether that proves to be the case, we shall see. He talked about a, a fight Uh, in May as well, which the negotiations are going on. John Traunson says, Inouye constantly proves that speed and power is less important than timing and accuracy. Danny Young, you're very welcome on this Boxing Day. Thanks for jumping on. The commentary team I thought they did OK. Nice. Uh, you know, it's not easy being there on Boxing Day. They, they did their best, Jamel Herring and the other fella whose name escapes me. I think they did buy into the narrative a little bit. The storyline to Parlez was maybe doing a bit better than we expected, a bit better than they expected. Whether he was winning any rounds, the seventh aside, I think you could arguably maybe give it to him, is questionable. Do you think they got drawn into the storyline, dragged in at times?
4: Yeah, very much so, Steve. Um, uh I just wanted to say, uh, happy Boxing Day on Boxing. We've, sorry, happy Boxing on Boxing Day, should I say? Um, it's been it's been a real treat, but yeah, I think I think the commentary team are kind of t- leading us or trying to uh, kind of give us a full sense that this is actually a fight of two two fighters, like you know that it was that, that was actually kind of contributing something to this. I didn't think so. Um, I just think um, Inua took a, a more measured approach. Bearing in mind that um, you know there was a lot on the line, and and obviously he was probably slightly worried about Tapales, but I think from the first knockdown right the way through to the end of the fight, I think there was only one clear winner, one person that was going to win this. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think the commentary team kind of were, were just paying t- a bit too much attention to what Tapales was doing, and 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 uh, maybe should should have just focused on the um the actual good punches you know like 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 John just made a great point there you know the timing and accuracy of Inoue's punches rather than having to like rather than diving in at times and that he was just so measured and uh, like uh, I've said it again uh, you know I've said it before and I've said it again like this is this is one of the greatest fighters I think I genuinely think that you know just how he goes about his business is just it's almost unrivalled Steve to be fair
2: of an era or of all time. All
4: time, I think personally, I just love the way he goes about his business. Like, there's no bullshit from him, and it, you know, he does he does his work. He's very technical. You know, his defense is great. You can take a shot. We've seen that in a couple of fights. Now he can take a good shot. He's got power that not many fighters at that weight division can carry. I just think he's so dangerous and that's what I like about him you know you put in you maybe again maybe I'm going off 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 on a bit of a rant here but if you put in your way maybe even 30 years you know before his time we'll be talking you know you'd you'd say he was an all-time great wouldn't you I don't think
2: that's out of order, Danny, because we can look at the fighters of the past with sort of rose-tinted glasses and all, but look, at I think it's his ability, his technical ability, his speed, Mm. his timing, his defence, his punch per that whole package, that's going to transcend weight classes, really, the way he he puts the shots together, and I know he's a little bit leaky at times with the defence, but you're never going to get a human being in there who's going to be so superb, they're not going to have some kind of even mild deficiencies, but if you put the whole package together at at the moment, you you can't see, see past him, really.
4: No, I, I yeah, I, even brings like, you know, the the fact that he's transcended it down to the casuals nowadays, like, you know, I've got friends of mine that would, you know, would only ever watch, you know, the, the AJ's fights, you know what I mean? Those kind of fights. And then mm. like, I've got people texting me today going, oh, what time's, what time's the ring walk and that? You know, this, he's do he's doing something right. You know, he's capturing people's, you know. Uh, interest and things like that so he's, he's 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 doing something right and i just yeah i just think he's, he's there he's there you know he's certainly pound for pound for me now um i know there there could be an argument over you know terence crawford so on and so forth i just think the way this guy's gone about his business is just um it's just extra special uh yeah and i think um he he deserves all the praise he's going to get over the the coming years months whatever whatever he gets so yeah fair play to him
2: well said, Danny. Praise to you as well for coming on here. There's going to be unification between me and Mrs. Wellington after this, but we had to get on as best <laughs> as I could as quickly as i make it making there. Uh, Jimmy Yappy says, some serious dedication from the panel this Christmas. Uh, smash the like button, lads, uh, lads, he says as well. Uh, Tay Games says, Merry Christmas to you all and a happy new year. Same to you as well, Ames. Thank you very much for that festive message. Uh, Michael Thompson says, heading off to a family lunch soon. But just a quick Merry Christmas to all and bloody hell, what a fighter Inoue is. Hashtag levels. Talking about levels, Des, welcome to the call. You're very welcome there indeed. Is Inoue held to higher standards than other fighters? I mean, you do see that sometimes whenever he hasn't blasted them out after four or five rounds, saying, oh, he's maybe tiring, he's maybe even struggling, but you know, no one's going to be smashing up this high level of opposition for 12 rounds. He is in a unification after all. He got the job done in the end. Do we, do we hold him to, to higher standards? Are people too quick to sort of roll their eyes if he hasn't got the job the job done quick time?
0: I think that's a sign of a great fighter. When you have someone that's so good, flawless, and they make it look easy, we, we hold them to a much higher standard. Do you remember when Floyd got caught a couple of times by a Mosley? Yeah. Everybody put Mosley level with him. And Madonna gave him a tricky night, but come nowhere near beating him. We always said that Madonna gave Floyd a really hard fight. But in in a, in, a, in actual fact, what he'd done, he'd just done a few things differently. But Floyd still won. And Andre Ward was the same. And I've seen it in the amateurs when you get a really standout kid. Anyone that can win a round or win a section of a round, we elevate that success and we magnify it. I think to kind of draw back on something you asked Danny, I think we're looking at a generational great. He reminds me so much of Duran, but Duran did it at lightweight. And the reason I always come back to Roberto Duran, Duran had a 10 year Hall of Fame career that was just like Inoue before he fought Sugar Ray Leonard. And then he had a second half of his career and that was a Hall of Fame career as well. I think I think Inoue is the closest, obviously the best small man of my lifetime. And he looks to be like the most dominant force at a weight since Roberto Duran.
2: That's high praise indeed, Des. And I'll raise you as well. You mentioned some of the other guys. Roy Jones was like that at the time. Do you remember people were just looking for little figments they could hold against him that he could possibly be beaten? And for a while, they pointed at the first Montel Griffin fight as well. We were just trying to find anything we could to to make them humanised almost. Roy Jones is another one I'd throw in there.
0: That's a great shout, and the way you said it, I don't know what you used the phrase you used there, and it was perfect because if anyone landed on Roy, if anyone had a good minute against Roy, we, we magnified it and we, yeah, we elevated that other person. So, yeah, Inoue's definitely in that group. But, um, what's interesting about Inoue is yes, he's traveling through the weights, but he just seems to be getting better and he seems to be getting more and more polished. And the Dunair, the second Dunair result. I know Denier had a bit more miles on the clock, and he was an aging fighter. But the way Anuway made a few adjustments, the way he dealt with Denier in the second fight, shows us what great fighters do. Do they? They really take the little. They, they take their failures in the first fight, and they they iron them out. They ring. They, you know. They, and the second fight, they put it right. Andre Wall did it against Kovalev. Great fighters always look better the second time around. Anuway definitely a great fighter. I thought I thought Fulton would give him an awful lot of uh, questions to to answer, but he sorted Fulton right out. And I thought uh, I never see today's fight, but I thought this would be a, a difficult one for him. But he's by the sounds of it, he's gone through. He's gone through him, this one guy just like he did Fulton. A new way is look. We're looking at something very special in a new way.
2: Inoue is indeed a special fighter. Nathan Newman has thrown in a comment off the back of uh, Desi's commentary there. He says uh, Floyd Castillo as well. Another example of someone putting it right in the rematch, uh, even though, of course, Floyd won the first fight. In the eyes of the judges, if nothing else. uh, Matt Butter says, if Inoue is staying at super bantam, I'd like to see him in with Neri or Sam Goodman. I think it will be Neri next. Uh, Rob Kelly uh, is on the call. Welcome to you, Rob, on this boxing day. Boxing, indeed, over in Japan. You mentioned Fulton there. He takes control of the first oh, the four rounds. The as well, <laughs> <are pretty specific. laughs> Plenty of boxing going on. He takes control of those first three or four rounds, doesn't he? He pushes you on the back foot. He shows you his power, his speed. It, it, it's like it's the ring mastery, if anything else. He just he pushes fighters yeah. back and says, "I'm the boss here. I'm in control. You're gonna have to come through me to have success." And that's
1: one of the fucking scariest things about him because you can talk about his power, you can talk about the speed and the hand speed and the dig and the technique and everything, but it's where he puts you with his feet. It's like it's almost like he's a fucking stalker or a predator or a shack or a fucking whatever whatever kind of fucking wild animal analogy you want to use that's stalking their prey. It's like he's moving you to position all the time with his feet, controlling the distance. And then when he's whipping those shots over with such fucking power and precision, the technique of the shots for me, each time I watch him, is fucking it's just outstanding. It's like it's like they says You're watching a great. Like, you know, he might not a he might not be a household name. He might not fucking yeah, it'd be recognizable if he walks down the side of the street here on this side of the world, but he's underappreciated in terms of an athlete and a boxer. Like he's a fucking genuine star of the sport. Um and if there's any justice, there's gonna be some kind of opponent along his way. And this might not happen, like we've seen, you know, the the bars of reference Floyd, Ward, fucking um Roy there Roy's problem was he didn't have a pair. The closest he had to a pair was fucking James Tony, and he boxed his ears off. And there was nobody yeah. else around to give him a fight. Like
2: Chefsky know... was mentioned, but he wasn't the name, yeah. was he? he? Wasn't the American character we needed? No, and
1: he was never going to go overseas after the fucking Olympics and all that. Jones, like that fight, I think was floated in in uh, Eastern Europe somewhere, wasn't it? So I don't yeah. think fucking Jones was going to travel, but. Anyway, I think we'll travel eventually. I think the clamor will come from for for, the, for him to have a big, massive Vegas showdown. Who the fuck does he fight? I don't know. Is there anyone there to give him a fight? I don't know. Like, is was game. He could punch. He could take a shot. And ultimately, it goes the same way. Even though he was having spells and mixing it up in the middle rounds. It's. I think it's just a fucking technique of in way He throws the punches so perfectly. He turns his hand over at the last second, at the very last split second, and it just maximizes the impact. And you can hear the fucking impact of the shots off the cameras and that. He's a scary dude. That's probably why they call him a monster, in fairness. But um, I'd like to see him... You know, he's like all great fighters. You'd like to see him come through a bit of adversity, but I think he just might be too good Um, and could maybe go up another weight and fucking dominate there. Who knows? Like, but... Yeah, it's like, it's pound for pound, number one, between him and Crawford for me, and I'm happy to watch him each time he's on, I'd fucking, I'd watch him every day of the week, like, I think he's, he's his talent level is fucking scary, like I said, just, I don't, like, he seems to have a good beard too, because Topalas was popping him with some stuff, and going to the body on him, and nothing seems to phase him, like, he doesn't seem to be ever, he's like a robot, like, he doesn't seem to be fucking off-put by anything coming back at him, so... You know, like, everything, boxers slow down at one stage. Nobody thought fucking Golovkin. Everyone, like, Golovkin was fucking unbeatable and that. Like, things change and time waits for no man. But this guy seems in good nick and doesn't even seem to look like he's going to drop too many rounds. Like, even against Fulton, Fulton, like, a lot of people were 50-50 on whether Fulton could fucking do something with him. self Correct, myself-included, yeah. Yeah, and he just, he did what he wanted with him. He did what he wanted with him and made him quit. And he does that more often than not, so... And you know what I like about him as well? Active. Um, relatively active for a world champion fighter these days. So let's see what's next for him. I'm excited anyway. That was a good fucking end to the air. Like really, really good knockout as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, all credit all praise due to the monster.
2: Well, praise you to the monster. Um, Dez, we mentioned as well, um, well, I think it was yourself who you mentioned it. I even cut it as a short about the weight. Only the weight can beat you. Do you still stand by that after today's performance? It's only going to be moving up in weight. John they there saying certain sections of fans will now keep demanding he goes up another division until he gets beat by someone twice his size. We see this all the time, don't we? It's almost, uh, we need to find something to cling on to. Like, well, let's see if he moves up and fights Javonta Davis. Well, let's see if so-and-so moves up and fights him. We have to find something to try and, bringing back down to level, bringing back down to earth almost?
0: I, th- I think I always break boxing weights down into three. I think you've got everything above middleweight, from welter down to featherweight and everything below featherweight. And I think from super bantam to feather is a jump. And if you look at the guys that are at featherweight, there's some monsters in there. And I'm not sure... Uh, listen, Inoue can hang with anyone, but I'm not sure if Figueroa, Vargas, Lara, Lopez... I'm not sure they're the right type of fighter for Inoue. Not just shit. I mean, we're asking an awful lot of him, aren't we? But I certainly like the look of a Robson Ramirez fight or even as a dog Dogbo fight for Inoue. But are we, are we sort of... We've done this with Duran. We're not happy to his at middleweight fight and a monster like Marvin Agler. <laughs> are we doing? Are we asking too
2: much of Inoue? Yeah. So you're saying Inoue versus Alim Kanuli or I ain't tuning in does...
0: Um, <laughs> well, like I mean, I, I'm looking at the super bantamweight. Fondora, and,
1: that's going to be my Fondora. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think Niri is a really good fight. I think that's a really good fight. I think that could be built. And uh, if he comes through Neary, then the natural move will be to go up to featherweight. And it's, you know what unlucky sod's going
2: to get him, you know? Uh, Ryan, you wanted to make a point about Brandon Figueroa. He was a super bantamweight. He's now up at featherweight. he's, he's quite a big unit himself, isn't he?
3: Yep, yeah, so Brandon Figueroa is obviously he's shown quite an engine over 12 rounds. You know, whether you could fit him into a uh, head guard that's a question to uh, <laughs> for Eddie and his um, clean boxing program to answer. But I think, I think for, uh, a guy, so if you take Inoue and to put him up to featherweight. I think he'd ruin a guy like Brandon Figueroa, a guy that walks into range and throws wide hooks. That's just, he will get absolutely demolished by a guy like Inoue. So send him up. I mean, you were saying, uh, uh, I didn't watch the post fight, but you're saying in the chat that Inoue doesn't want to move up. And the only fight left for him at, at Super Bantam is. Akmodalev, which is, is the fight. That's gonna be a real good fight. Um, I, I still think Inoue wins. I think Agmodalyev is a little bit static and he throws well in between punches, but he will stand in range and Inoue has he didn't show it tonight, but he's shown it in every other fight where he will pop in and out of range and that'll do for Akmodalyev, I think. He will he'll, he'll knock him out and um He'll knock he'll knock Brandon Figueroa out as well. I think um Figueroa will come in with those wide hooks and he'd eat a, sh- a straight right. He get knocked out, I think. Uh, you, you've got to put him up really and who at super featherweight? Could you imagine it in your way and have a ready fight? That's that's one for the uh that's one for the nutters on the, on the Tuesday night.
2: <laughs> On a Tuesday night or Tuesday morning even. Now, let's see who's uh, in the chat there. Danny Young says, good job in UAE." is the a sex pest. He'd been and out of the missus without her even knowing about it. That's a nice thought there. In UA pound for pound number one, says Matt Butters. This is about it, <laughs> <laughs> can you just, just, just say it uh, Can I just say about um Neri? Yes, Neri, absolutely, yeah.
3: Yep, uh Neri is in my fight of the year reading versus um of that, yeah. that yeah. that's fight of the year for me. It might be oh, a little bit between you know, Oshaki Foster and Rocky Hernandez. Mm-hmm. But they're my two fights of the year. So I'll give it to Lewis Neary. He's been a drugs cheat in the past, and he's missed weight, and he's done all that shit. But getting beat by Brandon Figueroa and then putting in a fight like that, he's that's how you... If you're listening fucking Dillian White and cool. various other drugs cheats, cool, that's it. how you... Cool. <laughs> That's how. That's how you. That's how you rehabilitate your name. You know. That's how you. That's how you put your name back in there and say, "Yeah, Lewis Neary, you can have a fucking in fight now." Sorry, uh, Ryan. Do not
4: go giving Neri any props, man. The guy's a fucking <laughs> scumbag. I'm not nah,
2: beating, that was nothing. a
3: fight. That I... was a. That was a hell of a fight. Like, care, it was right? It's it was a fucking fight. cheap,
4: right? And do you know what, right? <laughs> I wanna see the fucking Inuave fight of him now because I want death. Like I wanna see <laughs> that guy laid out, fucking shivering, like with blood pissing out of his nose, mouth and eyes and everything, man. Give it give him Neri. Bring it up next. I love it. I love it all day long.
2: What about Ricardo
4: uh,
1: uh, Espinosa? Go on, Rob. Do you think do you think he has a ceiling though? Like you said, he said in the post fight he's not wanting to go up like, you know, putting those extra pounds on all the time, like an aging as he got like I don't know, like with, do you think he's just going to hang around here and dominate? Like, you what, haven't got an opponent if he does. Like... Well,
2: that's what I was just going to say, Rob. Never mind moving up in weights. I wouldn't necessarily use the word complacency, but the commentary team said themselves he has to get up for a fight. He wants fighters to come to him to give him something dangerous to think about. Topales wasn't really on his level, but he did give him things to think about. And there was two belts and the chance of a undisputed unification on the line. <laughs> So that's enough to be getting on with. Whereas, though, I suppose, Danny, I'll throw this one out to you. If you're fighting against the likes of Neri, against Akhmad Ali, dangerous fighters, we fought against Paul Butler, all of a sudden, not so much complacency, but you know what I'm getting at here? You could start to fight down to that level, even though it is at 122, and, and he has to have the big fights, the big fighters, to bring the big performances out of him. Yeah, I know what you
4: mean. I, I still think there's like like you like your boys just mentioned. I still think there's a few names knocking about in this division, you know. I, again I'll put in the chat there. I, I I'm not I wouldn't be um I quite like the Casimiro fight to be honest with you. Um mm. if that's still available. Um and I think that's a big enough name to keep it interesting. Um yeah, look, if he ends up having I think that he could still, you know, squeeze 3 or 4 fights out of this uh, this weight division and then if he's looking for more names and titles then you know he's he's just going to have to go up isn't he but um yeah i don't i can't I, I don't know will we get will we ever get to a point where we have a um if we go, if we end up doing a you know some kind of um pulling someone down and they'll just have a a, a fight a, a catchweight or something i don't know potentially mm-hmm. just to get some names
2: Possibly. Well, you mentioned Casimiro there, Danny, and I wonder if he's even on the radar. I think technically speaking, he would be after he beat Rigondo, in tw- which is 2021. Now it's over two years ago. The time just absolutely flies. You would have said he has that kind of name value. But since then, I'm looking at his record here. Beat a Japanese guy in Korea beat a fellow out in the Philippines and fought to a technical draw. I think it was a head clash in Japan last yeah, time. Casimero's right. kind of gone off the radar, hasn't he? They'd have to rehabilitate his name a little bit to make it interesting. Otherwise, people will go, oh, I'm not really that interested in that. I think if they'd have struck after the Rigondo fight, maybe you could you could say so because he'd had a couple of fights in America. He'd beaten Tete, hadn't he? He'd had a couple of fights in America. I just, I'm going around the houses here, Danny, to say yeah. that. He's kind of fallen off the radar a little bit. I know what you mean, but he's still a name,
4: though, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, he is, he is yeah. still a name. Also, Steve, uh... I,
2: I think, I think,
0: I think Rob touched on it. They're going to have to try and get a new way into America at some point. And I think if you if you fight a Casemiro, it still become it still stays as a a far east product. I think they want to get a new way in with Americans or South Americans or Europeans, and then you can pitch that to America or even in the Middle East. At the moment, I think. I think Inoue, and he's brilliant, is a little bit, is still a bit niche and they want to try and expand it to the world and I think fighting
1: Casemiro keeps it in-house to a degree. I think if he fought Casemiro on a US card, it'd do wonders for him because Rigo had spells in that fight, didn't he? And he was 85 when he fought him. So, I think fucking Inoue (laughs) would fucking completely fucking obliterate this guy. Yeah, he he obliterates Casemiro, he does, yeah. Uh So, it might be a good breakout fight for him in the States to see him completely dismantle Casemiro. and he's got do you agree Rob he's got to be in America he's got he's got, to, he's got. I, I think for it. his like we look at things differently For maybe for him he's comfortable being in Japan and yeah. fighting in Japan and all that but we look at things differently like it's like you know we want the Canelo to start speaking English so he can become a bigger star for the mm. sport and he hasn't got that manny he has the kind of he's picking up on that kind of manny fan base like but he hasn't got the you know he's not going to sing fucking nothing's going to change my love for you in English or nothing after the fight Do you know what I mean to kind of cross over to the wider public so I'd love to see him fight in America so more people know about him but maybe the guy's just fucking comfortable in Japan and feels like he doesn't have to move Like Can seems I just, that I, way he, has like, he, has like he hasn't been
2: over it. Yeah, he has fought in America, but yes, I, yeah. I, I, in response to your thing, Des, I wonder whether they'll even bother with America, because when Bob signed him, you thought that was going to be the thing, he's going to go over to America now, COVID obviously hit and he had those two fights in the bubble, but ever since then, he's gone back to Japan, big money, big support, Amazon Prime and all this type of stuff, I wonder whether they'll even bother now, because Fulton could have been an opportunity, they brought him back over to Japan as well, Des, do you think that's even something that they're even going to be looking at now, is Bob even a big player? He called out two or three different promotional entities in his post for interview. And maybe maybe I'm just being a little Englander, thinking Mm. if it's not in America
0: or Europe, it don't count. I mean, Japan's got a huge population, spread it out to the Far East. I mean, they're really into their fighting sports. But I just, I I think that in way, just like, and I always keep going back to Roberto Duran. And I just think that they've scratched the surface with this kid who's a generational talent, who's going to be remembered for a very long time. And I just think they want to maximise that global market this this kid is a product and it just i just think it's and again this might be the little englander in me but i just think it's a shame if he stays in the far east but yeah you're right they've gone back there and they're happy there and they're obviously they're clearing loads of money out there they're doing very well out there and it's a huge market it's just it just i just kind of always expect the very best to be in america and europe
1: I mm-hmm. I think when you when you talk when you look at the likes of Aram, like he talks in mats, doesn't he? Like even when he signed Floyd yeah. that time after he got the bronze medal, he told him the difference between the his bronze and Oscar's gold was he was getting fifteen a night and Oscar was getting fifty a night to start. Like that always left yeah. a, a sour taste in Floyd's mouth against the the sport. He wanted the he wanted the Oscar money and the Roy money when he was beating Janaro Hernandez. So Aram speaks in mats. I think if if it was lucrative enough to bring him across against a big opponent, he would already looking to do that.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. Des, to be honest, is my inclination off the top of our head. I haven't thought it through, but I'm thinking have they got the opponents? What are they yeah. going to sell him on again? Like He doesn't speak English. I'm not saying yeah. that matters to us, but if you're thinking about moving him over to a different demographic, he doesn't look and sound like people who'd be watching boxing. You know what I mean? I wonder why they would do that. Yeah. And, uh, look, and listen,
0: someone, someone made the killer comparison, but canelo coming from mexico to america it's index linked isn't it there's so many yeah, sliding on off. yeah, yeah
4: right. go ahead Dan. sorry i so just wanted to add there like he he just needs to come back to the halfway house which is glasgow because when he was there believe me the, <laughs> the, the hype was there man like honestly there was plenty of people there to see him so bring him back That's to glasgow, just the man. fucking we'll half the the, the,
1: squad of the celtic team were half japanese that was all
2: Yes, Ryan, absolutely. You can jump in a bit anyway. I heard you shouting about uh, Lopez. Was that Luis Alberto Lopez you are referring to as well? Because that he might be moving up in weight, they were saying.
3: Yeah, well, that's a, that's a guy on ESPN who's at featherweight, so yeah, that that's like a, a logical step for him to take, and he'd knock him out. He'd, that Lopez guy, he's, he's a little bit fucking unorthodox, and... You'd think Inoue would knock him out, but yeah, in terms of Inoue's global appeal, like, well, I'm in New Zealand and he wasn't on, I guess, terrestrial or I couldn't get him by legal means. So it's a little bit fucking... I think they've just got to try and go the, the American route with him and get him in with these Mexicans. I think that who's was the, the, the bloke that... Um, Rubisi Ramirez lost to. I think he yeah he big. Estreno six
2: foot
3: one? Yeah, he'd smash him to bits if they get that on like prime time ESPN. Like you've got a star there because this is a guy who's, who's a two time, yeah, he's two time guy and,
2: I think, yeah, that's yeah. that's
3: your guy, man. Yeah, this is the guy of the sport. This is this is who we should be getting behind. I don't know why it has to be i oh, from Japan or whatever. Who gives a fuck?
2: Well, they We put Cuba, we're they, put Germany, they put
3: Japanese.
2: Yeah, we yeah, exactly. don't. But, you know, you know what people are like. They it's like the old demographics, isn't it? The Mexican demographic, the black demographic, someone who looks like me who I can get behind. You know, a lot of people sitting in San Francisco or Wolverhampton or whatever aren't going to be getting behind the likes of an EU if he doesn't speak English. That's the reality of the situation, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is a little bit, and it's that's a shame, really, because I was saying um, the the fight before, anyway, where it was the two Japanese boys, and it was Japanese title on the line. Two guys, six and oh, seven and or whatever, they put the heart on the line, and they they showed the sport for what it was, and that was that's what the English boys should be looking at, and they should be saying that's. That they're the fights that we need to be putting on they're the fights that are going to attract fans and that's what that's what the sport is about and i want to see more of that and to ex- exclude people because of nationality and skin color all oh, that's all bullshit man let's just see good fights you know what i mean you know, I, <laughs> I,
2: I, no, I I completely agree with you, but we know the way that we want it to be, but the way the world is and the way the boxing market works, and that's the unfortunate reality of the situation, isn't it?
3: Well, show them, show them what they need to see.
2: Like, is...
3: Espinosa versus Rubici Ramirez, that was a great fight. Yeah. We all agree it's a great fight, and it will do great numbers. You know, so let's put, let's put it on,
2: man. If Ramirez had won, one, do you think that Bob would have looked to a move in way up, encouraged him to go up and fight Ramirez?
3: Mm, I don't know, because Ramirez, he, he can stink the place out and he can he can steal the win. He um, has
2: story, doesn't he? He's a puncher, he's Cuban, etc. former two-time yeah. goal manager. I think that Bob might have tried to sell that. I've got the solution. Nah. Oh,
1: we, need, got the we need to forget about Bob and concentrate on his, his excellency. Any of the listeners, send him the, <laughs> the link to the post 5 pod. We're talking about the monster. He needs to get on this fucking trade. I wouldn't know. All seriousness, um, as these heavyweight events kind of unfold in Riyadh, I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see some of the stars of the lower weights pop up on the card. Because he obviously has the budget. They don't cost as much maybe as fucking some of the bigger heavyweights to put on. And I could see some of these guys making uh, on some of these kind of big, bigger cards in Riyadh if this is the way it's going to go. Although the other night didn't exactly fucking the last two fights they've had in Saudi haven't exactly fucking stuck to the script so with are losing it kind of fucked everything up but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we're going to see like massive boxing events with fighters from different weight classes um all on the same card out in some of those shows
2: mm-hmm. yeah would we'll not be surprised at all right guys am going to go for another five minutes or so and then I'm going to let everybody I'm going to unleash everybody uh, to go back to their family sorry to have to do that to you uh, Danny Young has uh, dropped off thanks to him Ryan's in and out but hopefully we'll get him Back on again shortly. Let's have a look at the chat very quickly. Marty Smith says, Been a while, lads. Hope you are all doing all right. Great fight. Inoue dismantles everyone uh, pound for pound. KC says, Hello from Tokyo, Japan. Hello to you as well. Uh, James G says, It is Japan. Not putting fighters on because they aren't popular. And the Saudis will want Inoue versus Loma, says Nathan N. Uh, Rob, it was the story of body shots, really. I thought Inoue's body work, especially that left hand, was really good. Uh, they were screaming for Topalas, as I mentioned, to go to the body as well. And they both made adjustments. Topalas, to his credit, did make an adjustment, started leaning back at the way of that right hand. But as he tired, he started leaning in and then Inouye in turn made an adjustment and started looping the right hand underneath. It was a physical battle, but a mental chess battle as well. So shout out to both of them for their their thinking, strategic thinking, let's call it.
1: Well, I remember when Palace got in the ring after the Fulton fight, and I remember thinking, "This fella's looking too happy." <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> He's avoid wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Has he just watched this fight? He seems to. He seemed very <laughs> fucking uh, content." So it, it was no surprise, kind of, that he made a go of it. Um, yeah, but you're talking again. You're talking about adjustments. I actually feel physical sympathy when I'm watching in UAE hit fellas with body shots. I was like, I can nearly feel him. The technique is all so fucking crisp but <laughs> the way he delivers them. You're like, fucking hell, man, how is he standing up to that? So, um, yeah, I mean, Tapales had a, had a right goal. He did as much as he could do and he's come out of it like, you know, there's ways to lose, I guess. And, you know, Paul Butler, I think, got rightful criticism for, well, I don't know, like, it's different when you're in there with him, but he didn't, Goal to try and win the fight, like he went to to try and survive, and Tepales went to have a go. There was belts on the line, and he was bringing his belt. He didn't want to give it up. He was want he was want to unify the titles, like, and he fucking did as well as he could, and he operated at, at probably his highest level, but it was just levels below anyway. And the knockout, it's just the inevitable, isn't it? You could see it. You could see it in him when he got when he hits the deck. It's like, fuck, I've done everything. Like, there's nothing left for me here. Like, you know what I mean? It's just it was completely gone from him. So. Um, that's what anyway does to people. Like He breaks their will as well with his power, his speed, his skill, his smarts. It's just like it's almost like it's impossible to beat him. I can't see anyone beating him. Yeah. You know, that he, way, like, I don't oh. see anyone on the landscape beating him, even if you move him up. Like, unless you fucking move him up to Tank Davis, which Floyd was talking about the last time because he's a bastard and he doesn't want anybody else having the spotlight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he's, he's one of them as well that you get
0: the feeling that guys after two or three rounds realise that just to survive his success, you know, like just to, yeah. just to hear the final bell is a, is an achievement, and that's yeah. a sign of a great fighter.
1: It reminds me a lot of the time when you see fighters get hit by him. You remember when um, Golovkin hit Curtis Stevens with the left hook and he drops him yeah. and he made the face when yeah. he hit the ground. Like what yeah. the fuck was that? <laughs> what was that yeah. like, that's what the reaction is a lot of the time. The first time he lands with power, it's like you can see them like fuck. So yeah, it's it's you can't say enough good about the guy. Like he's he's you absolutely can't. brilliant. But one thing I would say, uh, guys, is. If,
0: if they, historically, whenever you've had great fighters go up two or three weights, they've always been matched away from natural punches, whether it's uh, Ray Leonard or Tommy Earns, even though they're brilliant fighters, Roy Jones, brilliant fighter, uh, Mayweather, they always stay away from them, awesome punches, the Costa Zoos, or the, um, they stay away from the, the heavy handed ones, that iron people out. and I'm not sure if they're going to match in new way if he does go up to featherweight, They'll probably stay away from them, the Lara's and the Lopez's just because they're so heavy handed and they can put your lights out.
1: So I think he will go up, but I think he'll be matched sensibly or carefully. See against those guys as well though, you'd always have with, you'd always have them in with a legitimate shot because the yeah they throw punches very wide and his his punches are so straight and so accurate. You you feel like he could knock the two of them out as well. Like don't you you really do? Like yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's oh hundred
0: oh, percent. Yeah, but but part of me thinks could Roy Jones have beaten Evander Holyfield? But we never found out. He went and fought John Ruiz. They're so shrewd. Like Ray Leonard fought Donnie Lalande and Tommy Earns fought Dennis Andrews. Whenever they go up that extra extra weight, they always think, "Where can I pick one that's not going to?" Not yeah
1: maybe you are not. i like this 25 pounds so you give him you give him john ruiz like uh fucking... yeah, yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> uh the other the other, the, the one i remember they, they dragged him down to 68 and they fought for the light heavyweight title and the super middleweight title at that's the same right. time and, they got did. his and, title and didn't, didn't didn't cut i do the same thing that daniel gill
0: drag him down a little bit too far and it gives you the advantage but they're always yeah. going to be cute around
1: it aren't they? The younger listeners won't remember, but that was 89, I think, the Lalonde fight. So I was around 11, maybe. Uh, so I was like firmly into boxing or whatever at that stage. Or maybe it was maybe it was earlier than that. But, um, I think, 88, I think. Yeah, it might have been 88. Yeah, so Lalonde, Lalonde was, the, was the heavyweight or the light heavyweight champion at 75. Leonard dragged him down to 68. But Thomas Harns had been the first fighter to win. Uh, world titles at four different weights by knocking out Rodan a year earlier. So Leonard wanted the edge on him, so he got the fucking super <laughs> middleweight and the light heavyweight That's title in right. one night against Leland And uh press were fucking burning him because he was on top of the ring at the end of it with his hand up with five on it. And I was like, no, it's yeah. such a bastard, it's four, it's four. <laughs>
2: Good knowledge, Rob. That's really good knowledge, mate, I've got to say. <laughs> uh, MB says Inuwa's left hook was a surprise <laughs> versus the Southport. Topal held that high guard. He couldn't see the left hands coming in. KC, who's in Japan, he informs us, says Inuwa said he's going to stay in the division for a while. He did. He said he's going to grow into Uh, 122. uh, 2024 will be the year for a super bantamweight, he said. And he's got a fight lined up for May. They're in negotiations at the moment. We expect it will be Luis Neri. Uh, Washington Holomani says a W for Inoue, which is absolutely correct. He's spot on the money there. Des, what about Topales? I know you only saw limited footage of the fight, but did himself no harm whatsoever. You could see the fight with Akhmedaliev was sort of close enough that they might run that back again. If Akhmad then gets the win over Topalas, which many thought he should have got in the first fight, he could become a viable opponent for Inouye as well then. So it kind of works, maybe, that rematch? Yeah, why not?
0: I mean, like, like you say, um, yeah, why not, Steve? I, I, I agree with that sum up. I think that's perfect.
2: Uh, Blizz Kings says Inouye versus Casemiro or Luis Neri in 2024. We've mentioned both of those fighters as well. Unless anybody has anything they want to throw in, then I think we'll just slide off. Go ahead, Rob.
1: I just no, sorry, I know I refer to me that a lot on his palm, but everything about boxing comes from him. But I just remember we're talking about like we show me age, but I remember when Hearns. Knocked out Rodan and he won the fucking... You know, he's the first man to win four titles at four different weight classes. Uh-huh. My dad was putting an asterisk on it because he's from the eight eight weight class division. So he was like, they're only half weights now. They're, half weights. <laughs> they're only half weights. That's what he used to call fucking divisions in between, like, like Welter and all half weights, fuck's sake.
2: Well, it is becoming more difficult, isn't it, with the unifications, Rob? We used to have the three belts and now it's in the four belt era. So you've got to kind of sweep up them four belts. I was informed the other day that the first four belt unification was actually a bit of a history that Wellington was at Hopkins oh. against De La Hoya was the first time the four belts were unified. Oh we were you at that one? Yeah. Yeah I was at that one, yeah. Oh class. Wow. Brilliant. I don't know, 2003, yeah. yeah.
0: But even even Rocking as great off. as Floyd was, and I'm a massive fan of Floyd, but he he navigated away from Costa Zoo and Margarito, didn't he? Because and he said, I think he said it himself, sometimes you've really got to pick and choose who you go up against when you're jumping up two or three weights. It's historically, especially with the American brilliant American fighters, they do they do navigate around them big punches. The
1: mm-hmm. Costa Zoo one on Flight is a is a big pity it didn't happen. Like I think he would have yeah. beat Costa Zoo, but I don't I I would have loved to fucking see it. And the margarito one, like I suppose he was vindicated after the Lord of club. <laughs> the load of club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, the only thing I can say about Acosta and Floyd, I think it uh, his timing's
0: everything, and it would have mattered what version of Costa got, what version of Floyd. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. Zab, Zab Judah was as good as Floyd, or on the on the same trajectory as Floyd. Yes, when Costa
1: got hold of him, speed and wise, yeah.
2: he was probably you know yep. I mean? as yeah. fast as Floyd, yeah. if not faster. It would have yeah. been
1: interesting. It would have been. And he, he showed that in the first three rounds when he got to Floyd as well. Been... Yeah. It, it, yeah, He worked yeah, against yeah. himself that night, didn't he? Like...
2: Yeah, first did, three or four yeah. rounds, he caused him problems with his speed. I think as well, there's Costa's you. He had a lot of problems with the injury, <laughs> didn't he? Towards the end, he was out for yes. big, long swathes of time.
0: And we, and we forget, Costa come through the old system where he was the number one in Russia. Like, how good have you got to be? And how many fights do you have to have to get through that system? So by the time he turns pro, he's had a career. He's had a really good career already, hasn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Uh, take aim, says Deontay Wilder, question mark. I don't know if he means way uh, against Wilder, but I suppose <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, judging on the other night, we, took, we wouldn't, yeah, he would have a chance, a... wouldn't we? You would, you would think so. Um, I just wonder what yeah.
1: the fuck, when it comes to Wilder, like what was going on in the corner. So we're giving all Parker all the credit and Andy Lee all the credit for pulling it off. But why the fuck, when you look at, when you look at Wilder's best knockouts, it's when he walks to the guy. Mm-hmm. When he walks to him, when he walks to Ortiz, when he walks to Dominic Brazil, hold his feet in the middle of the ring and walk to the guy. What the fuck was stopping him from walking? to He was right there. I know he's moving his head, but when he was fighting on the back foot, he gave himself no chance. So, probably Rob, you've got a bit
2: muffled? more. Oh, there, you back, you back, you back,
1: you back. Sorry, he probably could muster one more good performance if he made an adjustment. But I think when the way he was talking afterwards. One foot out of the sport. There's two feet were out of the sport by but... <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know where his two
2: feet were, but they were yeah. barely in front of Parker all night, were they?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just, just, maybe it's the ayahuasca or whatever. Like, but why he didn't fucking just go walk to him, I don't know. Like,
2: yeah. Uh, take aim, says Rob. Turn down your zone feed, or Matty will be on to you. Well, it's just as well zone weren't uh, televising anyway, because you wouldn't have heard them punches landing anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like the silent movies, everyone got the money back. <laughs> Charlie out. Chaplin.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take. Um, yeah, well, I said we'd go, but we might as well carry on talking as long as the boys are happy. As in, Des, I know you uh, were watching The Day of Reckoning over the weekend. Any thoughts? Any feelings on Wilder AJ in particular?
0: I've got to say, you know, I think there was a Ben Davison bounce with AJ. I think Ben Davison was in the right place at the right time. I think AJ was really confused out in Texas. I think he was a little bit um, unsure of himself with McCracken towards the end. And I think Ben Davison just been in the right place at the right time. And I, I used this analogy a couple of weeks ago, just like a football manager, like Sean Dyche can come into Everton and think, look, there's been a lot of mistakes being made here. Let's go back to basics. I think Ben Davidson has gone back to basics with AJ, and just got him doing what he's good at. And I, was, I will say this: as good as I thought AJ looked, I was amazed at how bad Volin looked. But why did he look so bad? I thought he looked out of shape for a start. He was terrible. I don't get it. I, I, I've, maybe he had the sparring partner mentality. Maybe he was spooked because him and AJ have done quite a bit in the past. I don't know. But it, you know, that was Volin. Wilder looked awful. I think Andy Liam Parker got their, their game plan spot on. I really enjoyed watching the way Parker was educatingly pressing Wilder. And Rob, like Rob said, I don't know if Parker stuck Wilder on the back foot, but Wilder stayed on the back foot all night. And I've been watching Wilder since 2008. He's the fighter that can't fight going backwards, mm-hmm. but they, they allowed him to do it. It was crazy. Um, I'll touch on, touch on um, Bivol, and then I'll hear what you love like to say. <clears throat> he's the most... He's the most quintessentially Russian fighter I've ever seen. He's everything Russia produces. They're so pragmatic, so dedicated, so disciplined. He goes out, he does a good first minute. He has a breather in a second minute, doesn't give nothing away. And in the last minute, he nicks the last 30 seconds. He's all about just winning rounds, winning fights. I was disappointed because I had a brilliant accumulator with Bibble to stop Arthur. But he just never put his foot on the pedal. And I thought Arthur, Arthur was ready to go after round three or four. I don't know how you saw it.
2: Mm. And then he only went down in the la- the last round, well, the eleventh round, I think it was. He touched and, down and, Arthur. And even even in round twelve, he didn't want
0: to. He didn't want to come out of his comfort zone, did he, Bivol? Biffle this decided. We'll never come out of a comfort zone.
1: He's like what what what. Um... Steve was saying earlier, it's like he, he just does enough to, to win. He doesn't get he doesn't give just a fuck about it. and to he needs win. opponents, yeah. I think, to bring the most out of him. Like you get you see the best of him when he's when he's up against a bit of adversity, like an L or he's trying to make a statement. But if he just has to go through the fucking motions, we've seen it a million times. debt taxes and by decision, like <laughs> yeah, those guys he should have stopped along the way four or five years ago. He could have stopped Joe just you know, there's so many like that he could've stopped if he put put his uh, foot on the pedal and just didn't bother like. So that's disappointing sometimes, but he is brilliant to watch. But I agree with Des about AJ. I was going to say it. I didn't like Eddie's hands out, fucking screaming the house down about this new team and everything's back. It didn't, he just did fundamental shit. Like, he got on the jab he did, and yeah. he he changed the levels with his, the right hand to the body and to the head and just kept balling guessing. But just basically just got on the jab. Like, it wasn't fine. Like I know he tried a little Lomachenko pivot in the first round, but it wasn't as if he fucking... He just got him back to it. But like I said the other night on the pod, I think that relationship is probably going to be a good one. Like, because AJ needs people to blow smoke up his eyes. And I'm believing that he's fucking, you know what I mean, a killer again. And maybe Ben Davison's that guy to do it. Like, he certainly seems like he believes he is because fucking seconds after the fight, he's fucking nominating himself to put the Usyk result right for AJ. Yeah. So uh, I think he's backing himself for the job, uh, to say the least. I'd say that'll be the last you see a Derek James, man. He's been fucking polishing his trainer of the year trophy from last year uh, for the foreseeable. I, I, I,
0: never, yeah. thought, I never thought AJ... Out in Texas with Derrick James surrounded by uh Charlo and uh Spence, I yeah. didn't think that was a good fit. Yeah, you fit. never you I always think...
2: said that to be fair, right? yeah. I, I, I never I
0: never thought it was a good cultural fit. I think AJ needs to be down the road, he needs to be amongst his own, like Ben Davison, Barry Smith. Who else in that gym? Who's the kid that Barry that Barry was the kid that just beat Conlon in that upset?
2: Oh, uh, Jordan Gill, Jordan
0: Gill's in that gym, Lee Wood's in that gym. There's a lot of young pros in that gym, so. AJ's is going to be the top man in that gym, and he'll be comfortable there. It's a real good cultural fit, and I just think Ben Davison, is <laughs> just right place, right time. He's going to do a Sean Dyche. He's going to just he's going to just resurrect AJ. I don't know how far AJ will go, and we, we'll we'll find out an awful lot about AJ and Ben Davidson's relationship when AJ is three or four rounds down in a fight, and someone's putting it on him. But for now, I think it's a really good
1: fit. That's what you're going to find out. He's more like Michael Beal than fucking Sean dice
2: <laughs> <laughs> Class. <laughs> uh, nothing for somethings in the chat. He says, hello, lads. MB says, I was left a bit disappointed with the Saudi card, as mad as it sounds. He went on to say, who picked a tricky moving body puncher for Mahmoud off. on that sort of platform as well, Ames. No better question than to bring you in on that one. In fact, I have a better question for you. They were talking earlier about possible next opponents for AJ. gile Zhang's name was mentioned. I think they'll put him in with Parker sooner than Zhang. I know he's 40 years of age. He's getting on a bit, but he's a fast-handed southpaw with nice power as well. I think that might send AJ back into the, the dark dungeon.
5: I don't think either of those fights are particularly on AJ's radar there, Parker or Gilles Young, especially with how Parker, the first fight went with all the holding and the Italian ref that's not been seen since, I believe, if I mm. remember correctly, anyway, in those top level fights. Um, that was a real dud of a fight there. Um, watching that one back, I believe you know, Age kind of set his stall out with what he wants, and that's the belts, where was holding the belts. Um, although Hergovich right now isn't holding the belt, either they may do if the belts fragment, which there seem to be. If the IBF hold up their ruling, or um, you know, Hergut will be the next before you know the belt comes. If something can be, you know, plied out, but no, I, I don't know what what really kind of comes for AJ next, apart from a belt chase. And he says he seems to be open to a Deontay Wilder fight, even though wilder lost i don't know why wilder lost her. i don't know if he'd been to some sort of retreat somewhere and try some sort of psychedelic drug he never made mention of it so <laughs> i don't know what was the reason as to behind wilder's non-effort really there but no i'm not sure what not sure yet just what aj does um unless it's unless it's for some sort of belt contention uh, otherwise on that card like pick up on the same sort of points. I thought and I said it in the chat as well with Bivol specifically. We talk about high IQs in boxing and boxing IQs I think Bivol's IQ has to be questioned to a degree. I think he exhibits high IQ but he has to be questioned as to whether he understands where his what what position he gets his opponents in because he's not capitalising on a fighter who's not his level, not returning back, doesn't have the punch power to knock him out in one punch. Why isn't he stepping on the gas until the later rounds why is he taking that long to 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 do that and why isn't he getting them out uh, just so, there's something that i can't come to a conclusion on really as to why he doesn't doesn't do it or maybe he just doesn't want to do it maybe it's part of this whole there was a feeling that he 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 deliberately lowered his level in the craig richards fight which then got him the canelo fight is it that part of part of the equation there that's that Bibble's thinking forward and then just the moment that he's in otherwise as well i also thought dry appetite he's got to start being matched up against fighters that are in his ability level as well because the last two fights have been dangerous matchmaking not worth in my opinion the the money laid out to to be uh, jordan thompson was was bad for those four rounds and then Elisaro, poor got was wiped out um with the, with the rope, you know, it could be a lot more dangerous. The way he fell and his neck, his back of his head hitting that rope, and don't know what the kind of telling effects will be for for, for elisoro But yeah, I think Giappetta needs to stay away from now being being fed opponents and actually have some proper competition, whether that be at cruiserweight or heavyweight. And by the way, the IBF were right to strip him, and and Eddie Hearn knew going into the fight with the exception happened with Thompson, so. I don't know why there was the crowing and complaining about him being stripped. They knew what the, the, the situation was. So yeah. that's the decision they made. So they have to live with it. So the IBF title stripped from, from Oppitaya. So if he wants, to, he has to go fight for it back or, or like I said, move up a division. Um, but yeah, no, look at the heavyweights. I thought, I thought AJ looked, looked pretty good. I don't think this is really the ret- return of the, destroyer AJ. I think AJ just ha- has found some answers now with, with Ben Davison and the research, whatever it is they do, the the film study, I think that all kind of tends lends into what how AJ's ethos is of preparing for fights and wanting those answers and wanting those wanting those questions that he's got answered as well too. Do you think
2: Aim, sorry to interrupt you, do you think the fact that the preparation and the videos and all that, whether he, he's actually learning anything from it, the fact that he feels like he's doing it makes him mentally more prepared, if anything.
5: Yeah, I think I think that's all, all it is. It's just direction. I think AJ is a fighter. Who you, 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 the in camp, you work out the inputs to the controls. If you're looking at this, like I'm looking at this like a PlayStation analogy, you got your controller in front of you. You put all the inputs in, and AJ will go perform all those inputs that you put in. As opposed to being a fighter who you you. You give them their own six. you give them the tools, and then you go do it, you know, with, with some sort of loose kind mm. of game plan going. And every fighter, will, every fighter and team will have the game plan, but something more strict and something more relaxed is, is the, the stricter uh, guide is, I think, what AJ thrives off of. And also, I think as well, you got to lend credit to AJ if this works out, because AJ's doing the inverse or the opposite of what Tyson Fury is doing. Tyson Fury, the accomplished fighter, going into now being the knockout artist or so looking for those knockouts. AJ doing the other way around, I think, is a lot harder being a knockout fighter going into someone who's more of a complete boxer. If he pulls it off, he's got to get a lot of credit, whether it be through Derek James, Ben Davison, but himself specifically as well. is To turn himself that sort of way at this sort of stage in his career, having the grounding from the Olympic side, of course, kind of, gives him that platform to be able to do that and rely on and and go to that side of him but but in this stage of his career to go to that side i think if again if he pulls it off claims a title as well um i think he deserves a lot of credit for it
2: Ames, just quickly back to Wilder. I think his mentality's gone. This is a guy before he was a stone cold killer talking about bodies on the record as distasteful as people felt that was. Now he's talking about going home to his family and making smart investments. I think his complete mentality's changed. But more importantly than that, have you been zoning in on the old photos, Ames, to see if there was any egg weights in Parker's gloves?
5: <laughs> I, I haven't been zoning in, but like, look, I uh, don't want to take this down the, the wrong sort of path, but these psychedelics and things that Deontay Wilder has taken. Aren't they supposed to like really kind of remove or dull your ego and make you think of life in a different perspective? And mm-hmm. part of the big package with Deontay Wilder was his ego, the fact that he's a bronze bomber, the fact that he can knock you out, the fact that he believed it, the fact that he believed that it was to knock out any opponent. Wilder, I don't know. like He said all the right things in in the build up, but he was a lot more. Uh, one of my one of my friends, Donna Corby, who we know well. Donna said when he saw him with the PFL when him and, and Garnu faced off he said that wow that was so presidential the way he would like came up people would come up to him and bothered him all night and he, he didn't say anything he took the chance to take every photo with every person that came up to him not that say not that he's saying that he wasn't doing that beforehand but the whole kind of perspective change of him not being that. That bronze bomber, someone who's been more affable as opposed to being someone who's on the front foot and wanting to chase something down, wanting to hold on to his title, wanting to really kind of go for the kill. Does he need to find that again? Probably. Is it still there again? I don't know if those sort of things take that out of him. He said, I saw a Michael Benson tweet, I didn't watch the interview, but I think he's been on one of these channels and said, look, I need to find that again. But if those things take that out of him, then he's not going to find it.
1: No. They reckon it's the same chemical that's released from your kidneys when you die, so it's okay. giving you the, euphor- the euphoric feeling of fucking uh, yeah, going to to heaven. And apparently, after you take it, it's you have this eternal inner peace. So, if any listeners know where I can get some for the misses, let me know. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna um, say, you know how Dominic Brazil felt now after you ate him?
1: <laughs> I was don't set me up like that, Steve. For fuck's sake,
2: what is this day on the
1: air? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I uh, just want to say, did anyone see I don't want to have a belly of the week? Obviously, we won't be having it because we won't be back, but uh McGregor sitting beside fucking Ronaldo at <laughs> the ringside and uh him being interviewed by Tesora and he's like hey, like, uh, what did you want to come see, bro? And he's like uh I want to see wireless cracking the flesh, man. I'm looking at the guy with that frame and wondering where does he get that power? So I want to see the team. Do you get me? I want to see it. So it's like, how is this fella getting to Saudi Arabia? Off his not how is this <laughs> Fuck me.
2: Oh dear. Some fun and frolics. Yeah, we won't be back till the new year. Uh before we close out, having a look at Inouye. In- yeah, so go sorry, ahead. Yep, yep, yep.
5: Maybe you could ask the doctor, like what these you know, these psychedelics do to, do to. Doctor wilder, hasn't replied right to
2: my last couple of messages to be honest. Uh, I think that, he's had enough of me. Enough. No.
1: No, that's a, sh- that's a real shame.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think the doctor's had enough for me, Rob. We
1: made him and now he thinks he's too good for <laughs> us. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: he thinks those biblical tweets are going to, are going to hold, serve him on X. He's got another thing coming, man. He's come back to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we were coming back we we'll welcome welcoming back. In but
5: game. those, but those fights with Fury as well, they might have taken a whole load out of him. I think they did. That's what. Yeah. That's yeah. what. Um, yeah, I think you know, that's what happened. Kevin Barry said to me, "Look, he, he, um, had those two tough last two fights were real tough of him, and maybe Fury's taken his soul, as the crude phrasing goes, and it's it might have been the case that two grueling fights against someone a Fury's stature and the punch power coming back from him." He might not be the same in that sort of sense as well. With the dent in his head from from those egg weights, he said apparently that he's got like those those uh, injuries from it. That might have let's, him.
1: let's not forget in the second in the second Fury fight, he came in a lot heavier than he normally yeah weights. So I think he came in to thirty or something like that, didn't he? Two was, yeah. yeah. So he then had to go lose another fucking stone to make weight for the next fight, and went back down to two twelve. So. Like, he's given up 212 versus two nearly 270, Fury was, wasn't he, on the third fight? Like, that's serious punishment he took over those two fights. Definitely fucking took something from him, no doubt about it. Well, no doubt about it. That's 100% correct. And we've seen it.
0: History proves that sometimes a piece of a fight is left in the ring, particularly on fights like what we saw, Wilder and Fury 2 and Wilder and Fury 3. They was epic. And I'd be very surprised if both guys didn't leave a bit of themselves in the ring them nights. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Des, just while you're unmuted as well, Ames mentioned about Dimitri Bivol. You said about him sort of clocking out the rounds and and breaking it down bit by bit. A bit like Rigondo not finishing off an opponent. Again, they're from that sort of ex-Soviet kind of communist school of amateurs, which might be a crude comparison. But Bivol, very similar as well, doesn't know when to just get in there and get the job done. He's so regimented in his thinking.
0: Yeah, exactly that. Them guys have the same type of coaching. They, they spent, a, they had a career in the amateurs and they was very, very successful. And it was all about discipline. It was being very pragmatic. And Rigo's a perfect example. There's loads of Cubans. Kendallin was the same. There's loads of Cubans that were incredibly successful, but it really wasn't about coming out of your comfort zone or a better expression. They're not going to roll the dice. When when Bivel, for example, looked at Arthur at, say, round 11, in his head, he thought, right, I'm going to put my foot down now and I'm gonna roll the dice, but then the other part said, "Well, why do that? Go and win the first minute. Don't lose the second minute. Go and nick the last 30 seconds of the last minute. That's Russian, and that's just what he does. And it's a comfort zone thing. It's rolling the dice. It's it's a lifetime of being taught a certain way. The Cuban, the Cuban, the Cuban uh, project, the, the Cuban program is exact same as the Soviet program. So that's all it is with Bivol. It's just not got that. It, He's too logical about it. Do you remember when? Do you remember when Vitali Klitschko popped his shoulder against Chris Burt? I think it was, and he sat in his corner and very logically said, "No, that's enough for today.
2: I'm but gonna
0: eat, get. I'm gonna get this repaired, and I'll come back and I'll and I'll and I'll win another day." Yep. That's very middle class. It's very educated Eastern European mentality, and it's logical and. We us guys, we probably don't view boxing logically, but Biffle certainly does.
5: But d- there's the, way, the only point I'd come come back on you, in that is the the dice roll element, because it, at no point would it have been a dice roll for uh, for Lint for Dimitri in that fight with Arthur. He's not going to knock him out. He's not going to come back with a, a very minute chance that that um. Arthur would come back with with a punch from the gods, right? You might you might count that in, but really, I think it shows a lack of understanding there at that at that final point from Bibble in that term of logic that he didn't go for it because it, he was beating all ends up. That's that's the criticism that I throw towards Bibble that he really
0: should. Totally, I, I totally I, agree, Ames. I think you're right. I I can't get my head around it. It, it. In 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 the way you frame that, then you're not rolling the dice. You you're going to win this, and even if But I don't think Bivol ever wants to take himself in an uncomfortable place and I'm trying to give another example in sport where we see it I I would love to have seen Bivol put his foot down but it's just not in his makeup is it and I I hear where you're where you're going with that about his boxing IQ perhaps that's what he does lack but I've, I've, I've met kids that come out of these Soviet programs and they spent 10 years under a certain regime they can't help but go back to what they was taught, and I just think Bivo is that guy. But I do take your point, Ames.
1: It wouldn't been rolling the dice. You would have stopped her, but you he wouldn't do it, would he? It's about time. It's about time people got the fucking Rigondo memo, though. Like, because. You know, Rego have probably stayed undefeated if he just have stuck to his own path and just fucking stunk the joint out. He he was kind of forced into going up weights and losing fights. Like, it's a, it's a thin line. So what does he want to do? Does he want to listen to the fucking public who are sick of these fucking decision wins? Or does he want to take unnecessary I, risks? I mean, they had Rego in think, the end going up fucking two-way classes like big guys I think and the fucking... difference is, Rob,
0: the difference is, mate, there's no money in Cuban brilliance, but there's always going to be money in Russian brilliance.
1: No, fair point. Like, fair point.
0: So, B- um, Bibble can, <laughs> can stink the ass out, can't he? But he knows he's going to get looked after and
1: paid. But, well, like, I, I, remember, I remember when I used to fucking spar or whatever, I would fucking spar anyone, but I'd be fucking reluctant for a fight to break out. So, if I could get someone on the end of the chat, <laughs> get a breather, <laughs> myself, finish the round, look good, I would have done it every time. So, it's hard for me to fucking <laughs> yeah. criticize these guys. I used to be Rigo's biggest fucking. Biggest fanboy cheering for him, but he even used to let me down when I was looking at the fight. i would be like, i go going to sleep after six rounds, would you just fucking knock this guy out? Like, nope. And I think he took a risk early on in his career, didn't he, against Theon Kennedy, and he got dropped. And he was like, ever since then, he was like, fuck yeah. that. I'm, I'm staying out here. You're you not good enough to hit me. You're not going to hit me. like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: it was boring
1: I take, I take Ames's point. It wouldn't have been rolling the dice. I
0: see it the same way. But in Bivol's head, it's just not what he does.
2: Ames, just on that as well, I, I don't know whether I was the only person who saw this. I, I haven't watched the fight back, which I probably should have done, but we mentioned about Arthur having nothing for him and, and rolling the dice, etc. I do th- think at the time that Arthur landed something to Bivell's body in one of the rounds no, that no, made no, him no. back off. Did I get no. that wrong?
5: No, I, I don't. I remember seeing that and I was thinking he was just trying to lure Arthur in and out of a shell. Right, That's completely okay. how I read it because that i remember seeing that punch i thought that was like a nothing punch okay it was it was literally just tagging tagging Bivol to the body and bivor's never shown a loose or weak body to be affected mm. by something from how i remember recollected that that wasn't a, a power punch from from arthur in any sort of way so I, and I, arthur I never was,
2: came forward of anything which indicates no, what I you're think, saying is absolutely
5: i think you he he heard yeah. like the the shouts from the ringside and sunny be like you heard him, you heard him, yeah you him yeah, It was. It just wasn't the case. And Arthur knew it and, and Bivol, I think, was just was trying to lure him out.
2: Fair enough. Your point completely stands then. Right, boys, let's finish up on Inouye, uh, Tapales, and then we'll get out of here. Des, final words to you. Masterclass for most parts for Inouye. Tapales really played his part, I thought, this morning.
0: Tapales was good. Inouye was brilliant. He's a generational great. The closest thing I've seen to Roberto Duran.
2: There you go. No higher praise. Uh, Ryan Deal mentioned in the chat earlier, Rob. UA against Alexis Arguello. Could you imagine a fight like that? What an absolute barnstormer that would have been. As for this morning, though, Topales just couldn't get the job done, but he did his best.
1: Topales wouldn't have got the job done if he had the Sandinistas with him. <laughs> 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 no, a, sc- a scary guy. I appreciate him while he's here, that's all i say. Like, you None know, these fighters' careers are short. Um... I can't be sure, they can go by in a blink of an eye, you know what I mean, the fucking recovering fighters who've kind of had their full careers and retired by the time we're on the pod, so appreciate him while he's here, hopefully he gets matched in bigger and better fights in next year, he seems to be active and willing to fight, so we're going to see more of him, so just, yeah, make the most of it while he's here, like, if the fucking wider public don't buy into it, we still know how good he is, like, so... Some-
2: yeah, appreciate him while he's here. Much like us, hit the like button. We're going for another couple of minutes. Ames, give us your summation on Inoue Topales, what you witnessed this morning, please.
5: No, nothing more extra to say, really, to be honest with you. You've all covered everything and hit the nail on the head. It was a I, look, anyway will always be open, um, but I think that's part of the trade off that he has in terms of trying to go for the finish. We've talked about other people not going for those finishes, so there'll always be gaps that people will see in any ways. Um, offense and defense game where they feel that like they can exploit. And Topalas did have some joy in that fight, but it was all for the eventual finish that, in a way, he was looking for. I think he looked comfortable in the fight, really, um, knowing that he was going to finish his opponent. And I think Topalas really had too much to offer him up outside of a couple of spots of joy there. And for 30 years old to claim the belts that he's got and have much more left in the tank, um, I think he's quality quality fire as everyone else does i just want to see him back in on foreign soil brackets again you know and again and again really because uh, take him out of japan um, now and really kind of push him if you can really because there, there, are, there are a lot of people in in the us and the uk that are into kind of the, the, the japanese culture and the japanese side of things i don't know how how mm-hmm. really translate into the boxing side of things but there is some market there if you can fashion it properly um, I just wonder if if top rank will be the ones to to do that, or just keep them over there in, in Japan.
2: And What about? Sorry, I was just is, is the moving up or not moving up. What he mentioned afterwards, staying at one twenty two.
5: Yeah, look, look. Um, you, again, you guys hit that on the head. Though. I don't know really what else is is out there for him at this weight because he's got, got those belts, and he seems to want to stay at that weight for now. Um, um yeah, I think I. I I imagine he will just look to, to 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 defend those belts. Really, what was the fight that was mentioned in the the comments? Brandon Figueroa,
2: yes, and Luis Neri as well. Yeah.
5: Good little fight there. Yeah, two two great fights. So that's that's kind of I think when it, it, you look at in a way now, it's all a lot of perspective with, with things. But you look at in a way, and you kind of you don't really thirst for any fights because you know who, or you have the confidence in him because of his greatness that he will come through them. But in, in offing, they are two two good fights. But again, you'd expect way anyway to come through those as well, I, I feel.
2: Absolutely. Thank you very much to Ames for closing us out there. I've been Steve Wellings. We've had uh, Danny Young was on the podcast as well. So was Ryan Deal, Ames himself, rapping Rob Kelly and Dez. Uh, shout out to all the other boys as well who couldn't make it. And hit a uh, hit hit like, but uh, uh, hit on the like button if you want to. Subscribe as well. We'll be on Sports Social a little bit later on. Back in the new year, on the night Naora Inoue got the job done, it was the morning for us. It was more Halloween than Christmas. The Japanese monster creating an absolute nightmare for Marlon Tapales who more than played his part. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all again in the new year. 2024, the asylum keeps rumbling. And goodbye for now.